Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Yeah, you're getting it. Hallelujah. (laughs) There you go. You can be seated this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to continue taking a look at today the power from on high. The power from on high. He has sent the promise of the Holy Spirit upon us. He's equipped you today. I said he's equipped you. I said he's equipped you. You're not powerless. Some of you aren't sure about that. Either that or you're getting your notes ready or your, your phones, your Bibles, whatever. I said you're not powerless today. He's not left you powerless, unequipped, unable. He's not left you unable to fulfill the calling that He's placed on your life. He told His disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you've received the promise of the Father. He's equipped you. He's called you and He's equipped you. Say, He's called me. And He's equipped me. He is equipping me. Hallelujah. You know, as we we look at the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, many people through through church, you know, time, you know, they, they experience, maybe you've been there where you've been in a church and you've seen the power of Pentecost and, and you've seen and tasted of the power of God and, and maybe, maybe people have gone to the extremes. How many of you know people like to live in extremes? They, we, we live in the extreme of super spiritual or we live in the extreme of legalism, right? But, but spirit and truth have to kiss. They have to meet. Amen. Spirit and truth. Jesus said, they that worship me will worship me in what? Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth have to kiss. The word and experience have to kiss. They have to meet. It's the place of balance. A lot of times we get the, the power disassociated from our purpose. God always sends his power with purpose. Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive and you shall be my when who comes. The Holy Spirit. You shall receive power. But he associated that power with a purpose. You shall be my witnesses. And so we today, we want to connect the power with the purpose of God. He's equipping you to accomplish his purpose. You've probably heard me talk about it before. It's kind of like if you were to go out. Uh, you know, out here to Dan Street, let's say, and the, the power lines that are running, if you were to disconnect one of those power lines and just let it flop around, live wire flopping around, that would be really dangerous, wouldn't it? You, you get a hold of that or get next to it, you get, you'd get killed probably. And, and that's kind of the, that's the same thing. You can have the power of God flowing in your life, but not understand the purpose that's connected with it, and you become like that live wire with no purpose, no connection. 
Another, another example of this would be like a, a fire hydrant with no fire hose connected to it. Have you ever seen the, the firemen out, the city going out and draining the fire hydrants, and it's just a full-on gush of water spraying all over. It's flooding everywhere. But the minute that you get that fire hose connected to it, what happens? You can harness the power that's coming through that water, direct it at a fire, and put a fire out, right? Y'all with me? And so it is the same with the power of the Holy Spirit. You can begin to allow control and purpose to come in a God-centered way, a biblical way, and begin to accomplish something with the power of God that's flowing in and through your life. You know, I love, I love the power and the presence of the Lord. I love His presence. I love His power. But, you know, if, if it was all about, I've said this, how many times if it was all about just coming up to an altar and falling on the floor, you know, people this morning maybe say, why do people fall on the floor? It's very simple. They can't stand up. <laughs> Why do people get fall on the ground? They can't stand. The power of God touches them. They come in contact with the power of God. Not everybody's going to fall. But if it was all about falling, we'd just all come. I'd say, okay, everybody come up, up to the front. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three, and we all fall down. We can even have enough catchers to catch us all. And that way we don't hurt ourselves when we fall on the ground. And then we can all get up and go home. If that's what it was all about, right? It's not all about the falling. So, yeah, it might happen. It's not all about the laughter and the joy. Yeah, that's going to happen. People are going to laugh, get touched by the Lord. Thank the Lord they're laughing. Thank God, you know. I've, I've seen some of the most depressed people start finding their joy in the Lord. And all of a sudden, things begin to change in their life. Perspective begins to change. Their life begins to change. How many of you have ever been in a place that was dark and discouraging and depressing and all of a sudden the joy of the Lord comes rushing in upon you and the joy begins to bubble up? And it's not your strength. It's not your ability. You want to be depressed. You want to have a pity party. And God says, no, you're getting out of this. You're going to walk through this valley of death. You're going to walk through this shadow, this dark and shadowy land. There is a river that's flowing from the throne of God. If it, if it really was, if it, you know, if it really was just about all the preaching, you know, let's just go there. For all those that just want the preaching, well, Lord, I just want the pastor to get up and preach. I don't want all the other stuff. It's just really all about preaching. We just come in and I preach. I can preach all day long. I can give you a three. Hey, I teach three, four, five-hour classes, so I can, I can teach you silly and you will be laughing, not in the Holy Ghost. You'll be going crazy. I can stand up here and teach all day long. I'll just pull out all my notes. If, it was that, if that's what it was all about, there is purpose connected with the power of God that's flowing in this place. There's purpose connected with what God's doing in your life. And I want you to begin to harness the power of God, not in a, in a man-controlled way, but in a biblical way, begin to harness and utilize what God's given to you. If I gave you a million dollars today, <laughs> hallelujah, glory to God, <laughs> the first thing you're going to do is tithe off of it. Ten <laughs> percent is going to be the tithe. And then you'll give an offering over and above to support the Hope Center, an offering for Benevolence, an offering for the Life Center, an offering for Children's, JBQ, all that God's doing. And we'll just keep receiving the healing, healing place, all of it. We'll just keep taking offerings. It'll be great. Hallelujah. You'll, you, will, you will build the church. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to give you a million dollars. 
by faith, okay? I'm going to give you a million dollars. And I, here's, I tell you, here's the million dollars. You can have the million dollars. And you can, not only am I going to give you a million dollars, but I'm going to give you a brand new home with it. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to, where's the, where's the affluent people live around here? Where the, bath, is that the closest affluent? Top of the, <laughs> oh, top of the, <laughs> bath, Hudson, whatever. You're going to be the, the affluent home. It's going to be an affluent, a dignified place. <laughs> You're going to be in a wealthy place. You're going to have all the money. You're going to have a Jaguar sitting in the driveway when you get there. Who who would tell? Hallelujah. I feel this word. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Hard is that power. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. And you get there. You get to the house. And it's beautiful. And I tell you, the money's on the inside. It's sitting on the counter in the kitchen. You can have it all. You get to the house. You walk up to the door, and the door's locked. And you think, well, that's odd. Pastor gave me a million dollars. It's sitting on the inside of the house. The Jaguar's in the, in the garage. The house, is, the house is all locked up. How, what is he doing? What is he doing? You have to have a key to get into that house, don't you? Unless you want to break the law, but I know you're not going to break the law because I gave you the house, you know. <laughs> you got to have a key to get into that house. The Holy Spirit is the key to unlock all of the blessing of the Lord that's available to you. You can sit and stand outside that house. You can sit and stand outside and think about how nice that Jaguar would be to drive and how great that kitchen is to going to be cooking in and how great that bed's going to feel to get in and sleep in. But never, ever experience the blessing and the power and the purpose of God in your life. We have people that do this every week. They come in, they get touched by God, and go out and live like the devil. Every week, come in. People, you know, I'm not saying you. This is the person that's not here today. They, they come in every week. They get touched. You know, we're not talking about anybody in this room. They come in every, every day, every, every week, every service, get touched by the Lord. They may even fall on the floor and laugh, and they go out. And, and they never, never embrace the purpose of the power that they experienced and encountered in this place. You can come and sit here and just by osmosis something get on you. I've watched it happen. I've watched people who are absolutely obstinate to what the Lord is doing but are, are open, they're hungry in a sense, but they're, they're sitting, they're maybe afraid to come up to the altar, they're afraid to really fully step in, but, but they're still here, they're committed, and I've watched just by the principle of getting into the presence of the Lord, people begin to transform, their attitudes begin to change, their life begin to change. It's possible. It's absolutely possible. It happens every week. We have probably people here this morning who don't have a relationship with the Lord. And I can guarantee you, in, in just a few moments, when we give the altar call, there's going to be people who give their life to Christ. Because why? They're sitting in the atmosphere of the presence of the Lord. And something gets on you in here. The reality of, of who Christ is affects you. Affects you. We've had, I don't know, how many? A hundred? Well, we had a hundred in April. A hundred people in April made decisions for Christ. I don't know how many total this year so far. Uh, th there's something on this church. There's a presence. There's an anointing. There's a mantle on this church. And connected with the purposes of God, the lost will be saved. The born again will be discipled. The, the hurting, the broken will be ministered to. 
So I want to take a look at today the purposes of which God releases gifts and His anointing in our life. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, it says this, And He gave gifts to men. So God is the giver of gifts. In, in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 and then 4 through 7, it says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Paul starts off by saying very clearly, I want you to have clarity and purpose. I want you to know what God is doing through the gifts, or let's say the power of the Holy Spirit that He's giving to you. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversity of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. This is 1 Corinthians 12. If you notice here, Paul says this. He's making, he's making a point here. He says the same Spirit, same Lord, same God. We see the triune God at work and the gifts and the power that God is releasing in our church. In other words, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are not in competition with what's happening through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the manifestation of God Himself, His power, and the gifts that are at work are a manifestation of God Himself in our lives. So it says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. And God connects those, and in Paul's writing here, He connects those, same Spirit, same Lord, same God, triune, Trinity, at work in the gifts and the manifestations of the power of God at work in our lives. So let's take a look at the seven, I'll, I'll go seven, we'll see how far we can get, seven purposes of God. You say, Pastor, that's a lot, are you going to get through it? I may, and if not, then come back Sunday, next Sunday, and we'll, we'll pick up. But Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 12, it says, To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith, Everybody say unity of faith. That's a powerful statement there. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, there's a lot there. Paul, Paul is setting them up. For, for what the gifts, what the five, he's specifically talking about the fivefold ministry gifts, but, but this applies to every gift that God gives. What is the purpose? Number one, he says it's for the perfecting or for the equipping of the saints. When God calls you, he promises to equip you. How many of you have ever said, I could never accomplish that? I could never do that. When God speaks to you and begins to speak to you about his plans, or pr that could never happen. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough talent. I don't know anyone. You know, when we first moved to Ohio, one of the first things when the Lord spoke to me, or when God spoke to, to us about moving, 
I'll never forget, one of my first question was, Lord, they don't know who we are from Adam. They've, they've never met us. They don't know our story. They don't, has anybody ever been there? They don't know me. You want me to go, Jeremiah was in a similar situation in Jeremiah 1. He said, Lord, I'm only a youth. I can't, I can't speak. I couldn't, I can't do this. And what was God's response to him? Don't say I'm only a youth. I will send you to whoever I will send you, and I will place my words in you. Don't look at them. Don't be afraid of them. In other words, have courage. When you face them, have courage. Go in it with boldness, knowing that I have equipped you, and I am equipping you for the work that I have called you to. In 1 Peter 4.10 it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What are the gifts? What's the power of God at work? It is the grace of God. Actually, the word in 1 Corinthians 12 is the word charisma. It's the word for grace. So the gifts, the power of God at work in us is the effect or the manifestation of God's grace in our life. It's the power of God at work in us to change us. It's not, the, it's not a free will to do what you want. It's the grace of God that changes you and transforms you into His image. Grace does not say, uh, the, you know, this whole uh, stupid grace message, whatever, I'll just call it a stupid grace message that's out there today. It's not even cheap grace. Grace is not cheap. Grace is costly. It costs Jesus his life. It's not cheap. But the, this message that's, that has permeated largely in the, in the church world today is this, this message that Martin Luther dealt with and, and said that it is false teaching that grace does not give you a license to sin and live how you want. Well, I'm under grace, so I can do what I want. No, the grace of God, the power of God will transform you. Amen. Good preaching. It will change your life. It will take you from being an addict and set you free and place within you a desire for the things of God. It will change you from being success-driven to being God-driven. Hallelujah. It will change you from doing everything with self-centered motives to seeing how you can build and work within the kingdom of God in a new way. It's the power of God at work in you. It changes your, you don't want to sit at home and look at dirty stuff on the computer screen or whatever. You want God to change your, he changes you. The power, it got quiet in here. He changes you from your old carnal, wretched, stinky self. And if there's still areas, which I'm sure there are, that smell like the old self, you still have that fleshly, carnal nature still lingering around. Get it on the altar. Let the power of God fall in that area of your life. He'll change you, transform you. Secondly, Paul says that he gives us these gifts or this power for the work of the ministry. He equips us for the work of ministry. The power is connected again with the purpose. Jesus said in Matthew 9 that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are what? They're few. Do you think that Jesus was aware of, of how many? I mean, he's this, this is the same God that said to Elijah, don't, don't worry. I have, I have many 
who have not bowed their knee. Don't worry about that. It's the same God who's saying the laborers are few. That means that there are a lot, many, many have been called to this life, but how many are taking up the mantle, the purpose, and the power of God and living it out, that are going into the, the, the harvest fields, that are going into the vineyard of the Lord and beginning to harvest the lost souls, to begin to minister to those that are in the highways, in the byways, taking, taking the power, taking the anointing, taking the gifts that we've received and using it, uh, harnessing it in a biblical way for those that are hurting and broken. Jonathan Edwards and his resolutions, I love this. Resolution number five, Edwards said, I am resolved never to lose one moment of time, but improve it the most profitable way I possibly can. Number six says, resolve to live with all my might while I do live. Number 17, resolve that I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I come to die. In other words, when I come to die, I want to have lived my life to the fullest. And Resolution 22 says, Resolve to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness in the other world and the heavenly world as I possibly can with all the power, might, vigor, vehemence, yea, violence I am capable of or can bring myself to exert in any way that can be thought of. You know, when you hear that, you know, when we first, when we first hear Edwards and what he's saying here, endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness, our first thought probably is, wow, that sounds a little what? Self-conceited, self, all about self. But Edwards caught something that you and I need to catch, that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, when we find our joy, when we find our delight solely in God, it glorifies Him. Jesus, Jesus said, abide in me. Delight yourself. Enjoy me that my joy might be in you and that my Father might be glorified. And so that, is, that becomes our all-transforming, all-embracing passion in life that we delight ourselves to the most highest extent with all violence that we possibly can and God gets the glory. I mean, after all, who wants to serve a dead, boring God? After all, who wants to serve a God that, that is a bunch of rules and rituals and rites? And uh, you've, you've got to walk this step, do this thing, do this thing before you can get to God. That's religion. Religion will kill you. It will put you under extreme bondage. I, but when you come into a relationship with God and you begin to delight yourself in Him, the power of God begins to flow into your life. It's no longer about you, you filthy, ugly thing. It's no longer about you. It's all about His power at work within you, delighting yourself in Him, delighting yourself in the glory of God. And He changes you, transforms you, and then it becomes an overflow. You begin to share. Have you ever had a good meal before? I mean, I'm talking a really good meal. Man, there's, there's, you know, my wife and her commentary. There's, there's a place called Mr. B's in New Orleans. Has anybody been to Mr. B's? Somebody has. Mr. B's. Whoo, man. Mr. B's in New Orleans is a it's a Brennan's restaurant, one of the Brennan family and if you know anything about New Orleans, Brennan's is a big name. But it's it's one of these dark wood. It's a manly place. Like it's I mean, it's a manly looking place. It's it's and their food, all the ladies just got quiet. What are you talking about, pastor? It's just it's the ambiance. 
It's very manly, masculine, you know. It's like one of those Italian-type, you know, places where you go in, and it's, you know, all wood and brass, and it's, I mean, it's, it looks good. And uh, you walk in, and everybody, and it's, it's a pricey place, but it's good, and you, but they have the best gumbo around. I mean, you walk in, you just, it's a smoky flavor. It's got the sausage and the chicken and the okra. I mean, it's the best. I love good gumbo. And anybody, everybody's like, what's gumbo? If you've not had our gumbo, we'll fix you gumbo someday. But, man, it is the best gumbo around. And, and people, people ask, where should we go eat? You know, when we're in New Orleans, people, friends of ours or family, well, where should we go eat? One of the top places on our list, if you're there, is Mr. B's. We tell it's a great service, great, great food, great quality. Of course, we want everybody to go. Why? We delight in that gumbo. We, de- we delight ourselves. Hallelujah. We find, we find some happiness when we taste that gumbo. You share what you enjoy. You share what you enjoy. If you're delighting yourself in the Lord, you want others to know about it. If you love the Lord, you want others to know about it. If you find joy in His presence, you want others to know about it. Number three. Paul says building up the body. In other words, to edify, to build up. It's not based on selfish motives. To build up, to edify is about others. Ephesians 3.16 says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power and his spirit in the inner man, to be built up, to be edified. It's like building a, a home, building an edifice. That's what it's saying. It's the same word in Jude Uh, Verse 20, it says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. By what? By praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in tongues. Praying in the Spirit. Building yourself up in your faith. Building yourself up in God. It's like creating an edifice. Building an edifice. So praying in, cooperating with, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, the power of God is building yourself up. It's building others up. It's building up the church. Therefore, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up. Edify one another just as you also are doing. And so the spiritual gifts, the working of the Holy Spirit is to build us up. If someone is tearing down the work of God in the church, that's not God. That's the devil. That's the devil. That ain't God. Kick him in the teeth. You have permission. Someone's tearing down our church, kick him in the teeth. Say, that ain't a God. You'd be surprised if you kick a few people in the teeth how they'll stop talking about it. You say, well, Pastor, aren't we supposed to be building the church up? That doesn't sound like edifying, kicking them in the teeth. The Bible says that it is gangrene and to have nothing to do with them is actually what, what Paul told us in Timothy. If someone is tearing down the church, if they're gossiping, it is like gangrene. It will cause your body to become ill. It's an infection. Get rid of them. It got quiet up in here. We're to build up the church. The Spirit of God is building us up, creating a structure, creating a habitation for what? The presence of the Lord. We've become a holy habitation for the presence of God. You're a temple. You're a little, you're a little temple. Everybody say, I'm a temple. I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. Oh, you got to say it with a little bit of umph. I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> the Holy Ghost is living on the inside of you. Yeah. That's awesome. 
So what happens when you, a little temple, get together with the big temple collectively? What happens? We all carriers of the Holy Spirit, we all come together. There ought to be an explosion in this place. In the New Testament, when they got together, the buildings started shaking. If you go read the book of Acts, we ain't nowhere near that. If you go read the book of Acts, you think we wild. Go read what they did in Acts. Well, pastor, that was in Acts. We still in Acts. <laughs> At least I think we are. We should be. We still in the book of Acts. The, the church, the age of the church is not ended. That Jesus has not yet come back. Lord, what would happen if we had church and the building started shaking? Lord, keep it erect. Keep it up. <laughs> Let us have a firm foundation. <laughs> we'll see if those engineers were right about our foundation. <laughs> what would happen? What would happen if we came together, built up, edified as the body of Christ, as one body, as one operating unit for the glory of God, with one heart, one vision? What could happen? Jesus told them, or, or God said, they're all the same person, God said about, about the, the people at the Tower of Babel, nothing was impossible. And they were just talking the same language. We got the Holy Ghost. We all talk in the same language. It's called tongues. All of a sudden, we've got maybe diversity of backgrounds, diversity of experiences, diversities of education. But the Holy Spirit, through, through this wonderful gift, uh, this wonderful power, powerful gift through tongues, we all begin start talking the same language. Through worship, we all start talking the same language. We all come together in one accord. Yeah, we all come together in one accord and something begins to shake loose in our city. Something begins to happen on the inside of our city. We may not see immediate results. We may not see the immediate harvest. But I can tell you today, something's shaking. There's a stirring going on. There's a shaking that's happening. So if we just keep, does anybody hear what I'm saying? If we just keep coming together, unite together in one accord, operating in the power and the presence of God, don't be ashamed of what God's deposited on the inside of you. Don't be ashamed of what God's placed on the inside of you. E embrace, embrace, embrace the equipping of the Lord that He's given you. Embrace the power that He's placed on the inside of you. And watch what God will do through you. Watch what He'll work through you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach myself happy, whether you go with me or not. I, I'm just, hashikabaso. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the Spirit, the presence of God that's working in and through us. Hallelujah. Paul said that you would attain. Everybody say attain. The unity of the faith. This is a big word. Unity. <laughs> it's a big, it might be a small word in writing, but it's a big word in reality. How does that happen? When we're operating together by the power and the presence of God, God does what man cannot do. 
it, ta- it is next to impossible. If, you are, if you're an executive or corporate in the corporate world, or if you manage or run anything, if you oversee anything, you know how hard and how difficult it is to get people together in unity. It's, it's hard enough to get people just to love their job enough to come work. It's even, it's even more difficult once they get there to get them all moving the same direction. It's supernatural. And if you take a look around the room this morning and take a look at all the personalities and the backgrounds and the experiences and the diversity of the people. I mean, we've got people that were once drug addicts sitting in the same room as people who are executives. We've got people in the room today that are stay-at-home moms and people in the room that are entrepreneurs. We've got people in the room today that are absolutely diverse. People that have master's degrees with people that have no education. Maybe even likely lucky to have a GED. There there are a diversity of people. How do you get them moving all in the same direction? It's the power of God. It's the presence of God. It's not good speaking and and great leadership. You can have a great leader and a great speaker, but everybody going in absolutely different directions. It's the power and the presence of God. It's supernatural. It is absolutely supernatural. And how does that happen? We begin to place a demand on the anointing. We begin to place a demand on the power and the gifts of God in our life. We realize everybody we're sitting next to, spouse included, is messed up. As much as you think your wife is perfect, she's got issues. I promise you. Do not say amen. There's issues. We all have issues. And so we have to place every day a demand on the anointing, on the power of God. I can't do this by myself. I have to have His equipping. I have to hear from heaven things that I can't know in my own mind, in my own abilities. I have to have a download from heaven about the vision and the direction of the Lord's church. I have to have a direction from the Lord concerning counseling appointments and people that I meet with and staff and and community organizations I'm involved with. I have to hear from heaven. I have to have a download from heaven. I'm not equipped in and of my own self to do all that God's called me to do. And so I have to place a demand on his presence. This is what Ephesians 5 says. This is what happens when we place a demand on the power and the presence of the Lord and the gifts of what God's given us. Verse 18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled. Everybody say filled. 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 It wants to fill you with the Spirit. It wants to fill you. Let's just pause there. Some of you have heard me say this, but, but this, is, this is a direct Comparison. Paul is directly comparing in the Greek. You go and study this. He's directly comparing drinking alcohol to drinking of the new wine. I don't need to drink alcohol if I've got the new wine. That's all I'm going to say about that. Have a big drink of the Holy Ghost and you won't need the alcohol. You say, Pastor, am I going to hell if I drink alcohol? I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't, there are some things I don't need to partake of. Why, why, get, why get so, uh, now I've already opened this can of worms. Somebody's already offended. You know, it's funny because in the church world today, we're permissive about everything. 
in an effort to not offend anyone, will accept everything. I was reading the other day, let's, let me just throw this out at you, and I'll come back, I'll circle back, let me throw this out at you. I was reading a book by Lester Summerall the other day, and Lester was talking about, Lester Summerall in his book was talking about how he had gone overseas to work with the church, anybody know who Lester Summerall is? If not, you need to go study, okay. Um, that's, not, that's not condescending, I'm telling you, you need to study who Lester Summerall is. And the, so he goes, I think he was in Africa. He's in, in this church in Africa. And the pastor is thousands of people in this church. And the pastor says, my son is not serving the Lord. I'm resigning because I can't control my own house. Have you ever read in the Bible about how an elder or leader should be someone that can control their home? And he said, my, my, my home is not in order. I'm going to resign my position as pastor until my son gets born again. He had like six sons and one was not serving the Lord. I, and I'm not telling you that this is how, I'm just, I'm giving you food for thought is all I'm doing. We, how permissive we've become. Just an example of how permissive the church today has become. We, you know, well, he's not, can you imagine what would happen if 6,000 people in this man's church got word that he was going to step down as a pastor until his son got born again. They loved their pastor. They didn't want their pastor to resign. Can you imagine what 6,000 people are going to do when they hear my pastor is stepping down because his son's not born again? We're going to have prayer and fasting and all-night prayer meetings until he gets born again. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what the church did, and that son got born again in a very short amount of time because of what happened. Now, you say, well, that's a bit extreme. I'm not saying that that's what has to happen or that's the biblical guideline, but, but the Bible does say that a man that can't control their own house ought not be in leadership, an elder, a bishop, an overseer. Y'all getting quiet in here. Say, what are you talking about, Pat? I'm talking about biblical standards. You say, well... Am I going to hell if I drink alcohol? I'm not telling you that. What I'm telling you is, why do you have to get so close to the, the edge? Why do you have to see how far? Well, the Bible talks about getting, getting drunk, and, you know, it's really about being drunk. And, you know, we really should. Well, how far do you have to go until you realize that you're drunk? I mean, who sets the line? Where, who's who's going to set that line? Well, this is drunk. This is not drunk. This is somebody saying, Pastor, would you just move on? You're making me uncomfortable. Good. Good. My great-grandma, who was 92 years old when she died, I asked her before she died, Grandma, you got any words of wisdom for this young preacher? Any good, she always tells stories. You got any good wisdom? And she said, run from the precipice. Run from the edge. Everybody in today's world wants to see how close they can get before they fall off. Run. Run from it. So in other words, what she was saying, delight yourself in God and you don't have to see how close you can get. You're going to be so far away from the edge of falling into sin, you don't even know anything about the edge falling into sin. You're just enjoying the Lord. Enjoying God. Well, now that I just win friends and influenced people, We'll pick up. Verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Be filled. Be drunk. Be intoxicated. Oh, he's intoxicating. <laughs> he, yeah, he is. His presence is intoxicating. His love is intoxicating. His joy is intoxicating. 
Well, I've never experienced it. We've never seen your brain, but it's still there, isn't it? The truth of Scripture is not based on whether or not you've experienced. The truth of Scripture is reality. He is full of joy. His love. You read through this Scripture. You read through this. and it, I mean, just read Song of Solomon, good Lord, and you'll find that His love is intact. He takes me to His banqueting house. That's a bad interpretation of Song of Solomon in our modern language. It literally says he brings me to the house of intoxication. He brings me to the place where his love is intoxicating. He wants you to be absolutely annihilated by his love. What happens when, you know, have you ever seen a drunk person? We're from New Orleans. We've, you know, we've seen a lot of them. They're fun. They lose all inhibition. It all goes out the window. Self goes out the window. When you begin to be filled with the presence and the power of God, your stinking ugly self needs to go out the window. Get filled with the Lord. Be filled with His presence. And self begins to diminish. And what happens? If you don't believe me, it says it right here. Verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That sounds like spiritual and talk. That sounds like, that sounds like church. That sounds, that sounds pretty fun. We're going to sing and make melody to the Lord in our heart. We're going to be together of one heart, one accord, lifting our voice to God, magnifying God, singing over one another, prophesying over one another, making melody over one another with God in our heart. And have, When's the last time you, you sang over somebody? I mean, just think about that. When's the last time that you've been so filled with the love of the Lord and so filled with His presence that you just were compelled to go and to minister to someone and just sing over them or prophesy over them or speak a word of encouragement over them. This is placing a demand on the anointing and the presence of the Lord. In Psalms 133, we're talking about unity of the faith. Everybody say unity. Psalms 133, how blessed, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's a, it, this is a picture of the anointing oil that was flowing down on Aaron. Aaron as a high priest, the anointing oil that was flowing over him, that was running down his head. That is the anointing, the commanded blessing of the Lord is on those who walk together in unity. Number five, Paul says that we have knowledge of the Son of God. When the, when the anointing, when the gifts, when the power of God is in operation, it brings knowledge of the Son of God, reveals who God is. The Holy Spirit, John 16, 14, He will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus said that the work of the Holy Spirit is to take what is in heaven and all that Jesus has taught and reveal it and remind you of it. 2 Timothy 4.3, for the time will come, and I believe we're here, when they will not endure sound doctrine, 
but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, will heap up for themselves teachers. In other words, they're going to bring people. In our day, we're seeing this happen. People who are running from true doctrine, running from the scripture, and finding people who will teach to them what they want to hear. Teach things to them that will make them feel good about themselves. Teach them things that will tell them that they can stay in a place of apathy and laziness and and, in a place of death. And, and Christ is calling us into a place of life. It is challenging to our carnal nature to hear that you're a sinner. It is challenging to our carnal nature to hear that you need to grow and you need to dive in and impress into God. It is challenging to our carnal nature. It's absolute death. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross. Buddy, in other words, you better get ready to die if you're going to follow Christ. So, so don't be surprised if the word of God and the message of truth challenges you. It ought to challenge you. If you come to church and you're uncomfortable, we have people tell us, well, we're leaving your church because I get convicted every week. Praise the Lord you get convicted every week. I don't want you coming to I'm not going to stand before God and say, I preached you a happy message that made you feel good about yourself and you split hell wide open. I'm not going to do it. If you want it, there's, there's, I'm sure, plenty of churches in town that will do it. Not this one. Not this one. We preach all the gospel. So it's okay if you could get convicted. Jesus said, I challenge, I convict, I chastise those I love. I love you. I love you. I'm looking at every side. I love you. I'm going to look at every I love you with the love of the Lord. It takes faith to get up and preach the word of the Lord. You know, it's funny. You know, people see what happens on the platform, but they don't see what it takes to get up on the platform. You, you Preaching this message, living this gospel that I'm teaching you, living, living by the power and the presence of God, is not, this is not a popular message today. People want to come to church. It's, it's the anonymous principle. This is, this is a popular principle today in church growth. The anonymous principle. We want to come and sit in church and be anonymous. We, want to, we just want to blend in and don't want anybody to know our business. We don't want to be challenged. We don't want to be convicted. And so what preachers are being taught, this is a church growth principle happening today. It's being taught today to pastors. If you want to grow your church, make it so that everybody can come in and be anonymous. Don't challenge. Don't preach convicting messages. Turn the lights way down low so nobody can see one another. Now, I like the dim lighting, but, you know, whatever. So, turn the, but they'll turn it dark. You know, turn the lights way down low. Have the fancy stage presentation. Everybody gets enamored by the entertainment. And then nobody feels challenged. You may grow your church that way, but you are not going to grow heaven that way. That is not Acts chapter 2. If you go back, they were meeting together daily. If I meet with you daily, I'm going to be hallelujah up in your business. <laughs> right? You're going to know my issues. If I'm with you daily, I see my wife daily. She knows my issues. 
We, we dailyers, thank the Lord, hallelujah. If you and your wife or spouse are not dailyers, you got a problem. We see, you know, we see each other daily. We're in each other's business. We talk about things. When you are daily together, you're going to be in each. So don't be in a place of, oh my goodness, they know my issue. Yeah, we know you issues. We knew your issues when you walked in. Lights off or not, we smelled it when you were coming. Yeah, you'd be surprised. One of, my, one of my strongest gifts, thank you, Lord Jesus, is discernment. I can read you from a mile away. I knew it before it ever walked in here. I could smell you coming. It's okay. Just love the Lord. Walk together in unity. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's letting God change us and transform us. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. knowledge of the Son of God. He's revealing. The Holy Spirit will never contradict the Word of God. Let's see what time it is. The Holy Spirit, oh, i got to wrap this up. Let me, get, let me just do this, and we'll, we'll pick up on the others next week. That means i got to preach for an hour on two points next week. So make sure you're here next week. i got 40 minutes. I'm going to preach two points. It'll be great. <laughs> I want to wrap up with this. The, the Holy Spirit will never contradict the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will never contradict. Well, I believe the Lord's called me to do. Great. Give me a scripture. You know, anybody comes to us. Well, I feel like God's telling me. Fine. Give me a scripture. Well, I had a dream. Nope. Give me the scripture. You can never grow wrong with the scripture. And I'll use our move here again as an example. There were, there were three or four things that I went to the Lord with, and I said, I need answers to these three or four things. I don't usually, I'm not usually a dreamer. But I, I had, over the course of the week, four dreams, and I didn't actually see anything in the dream. It was God vis vocally speaking to me in the dream. It was complete darkness, and His voice was speaking to me concerning the four questions that I had before we moved. And He had to answer these four things in order for us to move. And over the course of that week, I had those four things happen, and then Jim, at the end of that week, gave us a call and said, we received your resume, we want to start the process. So I knew going into that process, not by the dream. God answered those things in a dream, but God had spoken to us both a word concerning what was going to happen. We had a scripture going into the transition, what God had spoke to us, and it was the funniest thing. We, in, in all the process, everything that was going on, we were at Victory. We had, many of you might remember the cruises who were with us, um, who are coming back next year, but Joe and Becky Cruz, um, great people. They were ministering at Victory, and, and she, her and Joe were going through, we would help pray for people. We were going through the line, prayed for our, you know, two, three hundred people, and then we're, we, we jumped in the line, you know, pray for us. And they go to pray for us, and Becky starts quoting word for word the scripture that God had given me concerning, and Heather concerning our move, our transition. And she says, season of transitions. She, I mean, nailed it. Had no clue. We went to lunch with them that day, and they start talking to us out of the blue about how to know when to leave your church as a pastor. We're like, how, what? Did somebody tell them something? I mean, we haven't told anybody anything, but has, I mean, did somebody from Ohio call them and tell them what we're doing? I mean, this is crazy. 
The Holy Spirit will never contradict the Word of God. And so the dreams, the vision, the prophetic words, everything will line up with His Word. And if it doesn't, here's what we say. Put it in the basket on the shelf, and if God ever wants to bring it down, He will. But don't worry about it. Well, I thought I heard from the Lord. Well, you may have. But does that mean He has to do what He said He was going to do tomorrow? I mean, he is outside of time, right? So he might, be, he might be speaking to you about something that will happen in 10, 15, 20 years. You say, Pastor, I don't have a lot longer to live. Uh, you better hurry this one up. You don't know what the Lord... You, in one moment, one moment, Esther, one moment, the blind beggar, one moment... The widow of Nain's dead son, one moment. The day of Pentecost, one moment. Changed everything. So don't think that just because it's not happening now, God's not going to do it. But he will never, the Holy Spirit, who breathes, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that the, all the word. Everybody say all the word. The word. The word of God is God breathed. It's spirit inspired. He's not going to contradict. The Word of God. What is, what is Ephesians? What does Ephesians say? Ephesians says that the, we have what sword? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In other words, the sword of the Spirit is the sword the Spirit uses is the, the Word of God. So why on earth would he contradict the very weapon he's using in your life? Why would he contradict the Holy Spirit who came and conceived, breathed, and brooded on Mary and gave birth to Jesus, who John said was the Word of God made flesh? Why would he contradict? They're not in contradiction. They're not in competition. They work together. So get the Word of God on your belly. Get it when you poke, bleed, bubble out Scripture. When life happens, Scripture's coming out of you. This is relying on the power and the presence of God. This is the purpose of the gifts and the power that God is releasing in and through your life. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody get anything out of that this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you close your eyes, assume the position. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for every person in this room. Every person in this room, Lord, has a purpose, a plan of God that is at work, that's being worked out in them right now, this day, this very day. There is a plan and purpose of heaven that's been placed upon them. Lord, you have commissioned and called each person in this room today. And Father, you're equipping them for the plans and the purposes that you have for them. And so I pray, Father, that today, that if anyone in this room is not yet aware, Lord, of your calling, but Lord, maybe they don't know you, maybe they're away from from you today. Maybe, maybe Lord, that they, they've once, once been in church or once had a relationship with you or whatever the case might be. But today, Lord, where are they today, Lord? Make it clear. Make it crystal clear, Holy Spirit, right now. How is it with your soul today? How is it between you and Jesus today? How is it between you and the Lord today? 
Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you, I want you to think about this. How is it? How is it between you and the Lord today? Please, no one moving, no one leaving for the next few moments. Just let's be respectful today. And how is it with your soul? Do you know the Lord? Do you have a relationship with Him? Maybe, maybe you once knew Him. Maybe you've prayed a prayer once before, but you say, Pastor, I'm not serving Him today. I'm not, I've prayed a prayer, but, but today I've grown lukewarm. I'm not serving Him. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, I've never known the Lord. I've, I've never asked the Lord to be Lord of my life. I've, I, I'm not at peace with God. I don't have a relationship with Him. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, I need the Lord. I need the Lord. I need Jesus in my life today. I need to make things right with the Lord today. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand this morning. I need to make things right with the Lord. Anyone else this morning, I need to make things right with Jesus. Raise your hand right where you're at this morning. I need Jesus. I need Jesus this morning. God bless you. Anyone else? I need the Lord in my life today. I need to settle things before I leave today. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? I need to make things right with Jesus. I need to, I know the Lord. I want to know the Lord. I want to know the Lord. Jesus. Jesus. Those of you, I want everyone to look at me. Jen and Mike are going to sing this song in just a moment. Come to Jesus. I want you to make a bold step. If you raise your hand, I want you to get out of where you're seated. I want you to come and meet me at the front. Maybe you've never, maybe you didn't raise your hand. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know where you're standing this morning, where you're standing or seated this morning, you know that you're not right with the Lord and you need to get things right today. I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come right now. Come right now. Come right now. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come on. Anyone else? Anyone else? You're not going to come by yourself. Our leaders are coming with you. Our leaders are going to come with you and pray with you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus this morning. Come to Jesus this morning. Come to Jesus. Come unto Jesus. I want us all to pray together this morning. We're all going to pray together. Pray so you can hear yourself. If you're at the altar, I want you to pray with me. Let's all pray together. Dear Jesus, I believe that you died for me. Everyone praying together and you rose again. I ask right now that you forgive me. Make me new. I believe right now I am a new creation in Christ. I am born again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Give him praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask if you're around the front, you're just going to take a step right over here to this front pew where Sam is. Sam, help him find a seat. My wife's going to meet you there. They're going to pray together. If you're at your seat, I want you to look at me for a second. Everyone look this way. God has called you to do impossible things through your life. God has called you to work the impossible through your life. Amen. God has called you to do impossible things through your life. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? 
called you. He's equipping you. I'm looking at the room. I'm watching. I'm looking right now. I'm looking at people who God has placed his hand on. I see some who have stepped out over the past year, year and a half, two years. They're doing things they never thought they would do. They're doing things they never thought they would do. That are are on a journey that they thought they'd never be on. That have experienced God in a way that they thought they'd never experience God. If I would have told... Look at Sue. If I would have told Sue, Sue, you're going to wake yourself up laughing and praying in tongues. And you're going to be at the hospital praying in tongues in your sleep while your nurse walks in and asks you about the fragrance that's filling your room while you're sleeping. Uh, you, you would just think, that's impossible. It's walking in the power of God. Paul is our office manager. We're, we, Monday, we were in a meeting. We were in a, we were in a meeting on Monday, our minister's meeting. She, was, she doesn't come to those meetings. She's running the office. And she had come back running from uh, Aaron. And I don't know what happened. You tell. And needless to say, it was a happy, it was a happy Aaron. It was joyful. Yes, it was. Um, well... Earlier in the morning, before I even got to work, I was just listening to some worship music, and, you know, I was just soaking in it, and I get to work, and I'm still soaking, and I'm still soaking, and then I go out, and I come back, and I'm still soaking, because I had to go to the bank, and then I went out to get their lunch, and I come back, and I'm just playing this worship music, and I'm in my car, and I get out of the car, and I walk up to the door, and I just start laughing, and I just couldn't stop laughing, and... It was just, the glory of the Lord had just, just so hit me that I just could not stop laughing. And, and even after I walked in and gave them their lunch and shut the door, I just, I just could not stop laughing. I mean, I just, I didn't even understand it. I'm like, what is going on? What's happening to me? Because I just couldn't stop. And then I thought, I'm one point I just thought I'm gonna fall over I'm drunk I don't it's just like what is going on but I just could not I just could not stop and this continued How, so what was the lasting effects well how many days you were laughing for multiple days yes yes because then it carried into Tuesday and then it carried into Wednesday and then Thursday, we kind of calmed down. <laughs> so you were laughing for three days. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know what? The, the um, Monday, after all this happened, I woke up at like 3.30 in the morning, and I was laughing. And I just couldn't stop laughing. And then when I went to take my shower, Tuesday morning, I couldn't stop laughing. And then I was still laughing Tuesday, so. <laughs> awesome. The Lord wants to touch you this morning. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. 
You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.